everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey, welcome back. Today we are looking at Acts 7 and 8, and I really feel like yesterday we kind of ended like right in the middle of a story. So today we're going to pick up right where we left off. If you didn't listen to yesterday's, uh, I invite you to do so because we learned about this guy, Stephen, um, and I talked about how he's going to become the first person to give his life in the name of Jesus. Um, But Stephen, he he was really not really uh, any kind of special standout-ish guy. He he had been chosen uh, because he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit to serve food to widows to help resolve uh, kind of this conflict between Greeks and Hebrews uh, to care for the widows. So Stephen is one of these guys that was chosen, um, but he he ends up in this situation uh, where he is being asked to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And Acts chapter 7 really is just the sermon that Stephen preaches. And I, I love it. I, I really, really like it. I know I say this a lot, but seriously, Go read Acts chapter 7, or at least stick around uh, and hear us read it here on the podcast. It's so powerful, and I think this kind of message remains powerful today. What Stephen does is he goes all the way back to Abraham, and he does this because the the audience he's speaking to, the Jews he's speaking to, the the leaders especially, um, they would have identified themselves directly as descendants of Abraham. Uh, Abraham was very important to them. And so Stephen goes all the way back to Abraham and walks through the history of the people um, from from Abraham to Joseph to slavery in Egypt to Moses to the worshiping of the golden calf, uh, ultimately coming up to Jesus. And what he does is he calls out that Israel has this, the the people of Israel uh, have this incredible kind of Achilles heel uh, where they have never seemed to see an idol that they didn't want to worship. Like he's just calling out how they have regularly persecuted the prophets uh, and their hearts have been drawn away from God to other gods. And ultimately they have this long history of just shaming themselves, not serving the God who has called them out, who has chosen them, who has equipped them, but instead serving all these gods made from human hands and the stars and the sky and the moon, just goofy things. And Stephen just preaches fire. I mean, the, the dude is bringing it. If you, if you want to look at Stephen's uh, sermon, it's it's pretty confrontational. It's not seeker sensitive. It's not audience friendly. Uh, he is saying, you guys are sinners and you guys need to repent. And if you call out to God, maybe he'll relent. Uh, but you have dishonored God and and you are a people, a stiff-necked people. And you always, if you look at, um, this is chapter 7, verse 51. This is Stephen, kind of, kind of his conclusion, kind of his wrap-up to his sermon. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Basically, that means um, they, they have not allowed like the, the hardness of their hearts and the, the closure of their ears to be changed or released. They haven't, they haven't given up the hard part of themselves. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not 
keep it. This is wild. Um, and sometimes with how we teach things in churches and stuff, sometimes we miss the fact that he's not talking to a group of people that are removed from the crucifixion. This is the group of people who just committed the crucifixion. So he is confronting the same people that condemned Jesus to death. This is the crowd that shouted, crucify him. This is the crowd that asked for Barabbas. Uh, he is confronting them to their faces. And I, I just think that the probably the most vicious line is, uh, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? He's just saying, you guys are a mess and you need to get get it together. And obviously, I mean, you preach a sermon like this to an angry crowd. The, the immediate thing they do next is, it says, uh, verse 54, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. How descriptive is that? Uh, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and he actually sees Jesus standing beside God in heaven, and they stone him out beside the camp. And then you get this, like, sort of strange aside um, where the people are tearing off their clothes, I guess, because they're so violent. They don't want to make their coats dirty, I guess. And they lay them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he, he uh, cries out to God and Stephen dies. And chapter eight opens with the line, and Saul approved of his execution. And so we get introduced to this guy named Saul, um, who opens up the persecution of the early church, and we see things go from you know relative um, like peace and generosity and togetherness, and now the church enters this stage of extreme persecution, where Saul is going to hunt for people house to house and try to destroy the name of Jesus and try to destroy people who claim the name of Jesus, and so the the apostles scatter. And with their scattering, this is really interesting, um, it is so dangerous they have to scatter uh, from that place and they kind of, because of it, enter into this missionary movement. And so one of the things that get, gets called out is that um, some of the disciples, uh, Philip specifically, ends up going up into Samaria and some of the other ones, you know, they move into the south. They, they just go different places. Um, and in Samaria, we get another really interesting story where where um, Philip goes up there. Uh, he starts to preach the gospel. He starts to tell people about who Jesus is. They start to receive the name of Jesus. They start to believe in Jesus. Uh, they get baptized. The interesting thing about the story of the people in Samaria is that they apparently, uh, when they get baptized, do not receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John have to go up there and lay their hands on people so that the people do receive the Holy Spirit. And that is in uh, chapter 8, verse 17. And it says, Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now Simon, when he saw the Holy Spirit, was given through the laying on the apostles' hands. He offered them money. So there's this magician uh, that sees what, what the apostles are able to do and sees the fruit of, of what happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of discussion about what he saw. Um, because apparently this magician sees something happening among these people who receive the Spirit that makes him say, like, whoa, I want to be able to do that. And so he offers to pay uh, for the Holy Spirit, and Peter does not take that well and instead uh, pushes him to repent, and we don't hear much more about him. And then we get this story uh, where Philip seeks out this Ethiopian eunuch, and the, the story changes a setting again. We're introduced to this um, Ethiopian eunuch who is serving in the court 
um, of this really important, the, the queen of the Ethiopians. And he's just in his chariot, I, I'm assuming like kind of out in the desert, uh, reading through Isaiah. And Philip explains to him that Isaiah is speaking about Jesus. Uh, this man comes to faith in Jesus. He is baptized on the spot um, because he has come to faith in Jesus. And then Philip just disappears and ends up somewhere else. So again, a lot going on in Acts. Acts is just full of story after story, but it is impossible to read through Acts and not just be in awe of the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, just the incredible conviction and boldness and courage uh, that the apostles have, that the old early believers have. And so I, I, I would encourage you, you know, we, we, we kind of um, detach ourselves sometimes from church history. Like we, we kind of feel like, man, like that is so cool that they were so bold and they were so courageous. Like, wow. But God's spirit is still moving and God's church is still growing. And we, I just encourage you like to strive to be as bold and as courageous as those early apostles, as Philip, as Peter, as John. Um, we can still preach repentance. We can still preach the power of the name of Jesus. We can still pray for people and believe that Jesus will move and the Holy Spirit will move. Um, we can still ask God to heal people. Uh, we can still ask God to forgive people. Uh, we don't have to read these chapters and be like, wow, it would have been so cool to live in those times. Because there is story after story after story throughout church history. It doesn't end at the end of Acts. There's story after story of the power of the Holy Spirit moving uh, and bringing, you know, hard, difficult, resistant people uh, to faith in Jesus. So I just encourage you, uh, really be bold, really step out. Don't be afraid to stand up for your faith. Don't be afraid to share your faith. Don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. Uh, don't be afraid to lay your hands on people and pray for people uh, and, and trust and have hope and faith that God will move uh, because you have asked him to. One of the things that Jesus taught is that... Um, God is a good father. And so what a good father does to his son, like if you're, if, if, if son asks for a bread, uh, a good father gives that son bread. He doesn't give him a snake or a scorpion. Uh, that's, that's in Luke. And the, the conclusion of that story that Jesus tells is because God is a good and loving father, he gives people the Holy Spirit when they ask for the Holy Spirit. So I think, man, I know there's tough things out there. I know there's crazy things out there. But I think God's spirit is on the move. I think that he is constantly calling people to himself. And I think he wants to, for some reason, use us to accomplish what he's trying to do. So I just encourage you to be bold and courageous, uh, to step out in your faith, to realize that these stories are not dusty old stories. Uh, God is still moving. The church is still growing. And we can we can seek him. We can follow him. We can trust him. So be encouraged. I'll be back again tomorrow with Acts chapter 9 and 10. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about then as well. So I'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's plan, your part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Acts chapter 7. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham, and when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land, and from your kindred, 
and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in the land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac, and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father, and all his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died. And he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamar in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king, who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race, and forced our fathers to expose their infants, so that they would not be kept alive. At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in the word indeed. When he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for this place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man got sent 
both ruler and redeemer, by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who is in the congregation of the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what he has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch, the star of your god Rephon, the images that you made to worship. I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is this place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, Do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8 And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. 
For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down towards Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azostus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to the towns until he came to Caesarea. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. 
Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.